Heavenly Father, we just bow in your presence tonight. We pray and ask, Lord, again for your help, for your leading, for your guidance, for your direction. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Lord, would you encourage us? Lord, would you reveal to us the times, the season that we are living in, the days that we have come to? Lord, we pray, Lord, for every one of our hearts to be warmed and drawn with your great love and the great reality of your coming again. Lord, the great truth, Lord, that you have gone to prepare a place. Lord, that you will come again. Lord, we just ask tonight for your help in this meeting, Lord, that you would anoint us. Lord, you would quicken your word that the oil would flow. Lord, our desire is, Lord, that we would be ready. Lord, that we'd have oil in our lamps. Lord, that we would be ready for that great cry at the midnight hour. So, Lord, we just ask tonight, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you awaken us? Lord, for those that are dead in sin, we pray for the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for those that are backslidden and cold and hard and indifferent, we pray, Lord, that the reality, Lord, of your coming again would awaken us. Lord, that our lamps would be trimmed, Lord, that we'd be full of the Holy Ghost and power. Lord, we'd be burning and shining lights in these final moments of time to glorify your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, and uh, just keep your Bibles open and follow through. There's just quite a lot of scriptures. I pray um, that we'll just follow it through. The Lord will quicken the Word of God to your hearts. But it's Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 and uh, verse 12. And we're going to be in the book of Revelation quite a lot. Uh, over in the 1 Thessalonians also. And uh, we'll just be in Matthew chapter 24 as well. So Revelation, have your Bibles just turn there, Revelation and uh, chapter 6, Revelation 6. And I pray just the Lord would help us to see tonight um, when we come to the end times and, and, and concerning uh, teaching on the end times, I'm aware that there's many different interpretations and beliefs and if I step on anyone's theological toes tonight, don't yelp. <laughs> just say, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, but I, I preach just as what the Lord has revealed to me. And uh, I know there's different aspects in the timing of things. I would never fall out with someone concerning eschatology. I believe there's a lot of diversities in that. But we do agree that the Lord is coming and he's coming soon. And we need to be born again. We need to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can only be saved through the new birth and through faith in Christ alone. No other way or no other means. Uh, but I believe we can look to the scriptures as we look this morning. And we are instructed by the Lord that we are, when we see these things happening, that we are to lift up our heads and we're to look up for our redemption is coming. And so it's important that we turn to God's word we're not so much reading uh, the, the newspapers or what's happening around us just from the worldly sense, but from the Word of God, we can see the days in which we're living. And, and I just encourage you tonight, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are before the Lord, if you're saved, you know, we have got a great hope that the Lord's coming for us and coming soon. That's a great hope that we have. If you're here tonight and you're not saved and you're indifferent or you're cold in heart, I just ask you tonight to open your heart to the Lord uh, and just ask the Lord to speak to you because these are serious things. In a moment, 
What will divide us is simply those that are saved and those that are lost. And that's the reality. You know, just, I was telling you about the West Link, but I was sitting on the West Link and I looked over, I'm not one of these type of people, but I looked over at a bus that pulled up beside me and it was packed with people. And I looked through all the faces and there was just a couple of old people sitting there. They looked tired. They looked weary with life. And I just said, Lord, I wonder, do they know? I wonder, do they know? Friends, that's the reality. We've got to be ready. The Lord's coming. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? At the opening of the sixth seal, and the opening of all these seals, there are significant signs that take place. In the sixth seal here, there are significant signs that take place in the universe around us. We read here in verse 1 that it commences with a great earthquake, a great shaking, and the sun becomes black as sackcloth of air, and the moon becomes as blood, and the stars of heaven begin to fall onto the earth. At the opening of the sixth seal, it is significant that we understand right at this point, it is here that I believe that what we commonly know is the rapture takes place. People will say, well, the rapture is not in the Bible. The word Trinitarian is not in the Bible. But I believe in the rapture of the church. That is simply the catching away or the going up of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a time at which the church is gloriously, wonderfully, supernaturally, and powerfully by the power of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit. Every believer across this planet, every man and woman, boy and girl, that are born of the Spirit of God, washed in the blood, know Jesus as their own and personal Savior, whether they're red or yellow or black and white, from every tongue and every tribe and every nation across the globe, whether it be north or whether it be south, whether it be east or whether it be west, all across these nations of this world, every man and woman that's born of the Spirit of the living God at that moment will be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. It is a supernatural event like none other. When we see this wonderful event in Scripture, when we turn over to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 and verse 15, you'll know these Scriptures well. But we'll see here 
the enormous force that is required at that moment when the earthquake is taking place, when the sun is turned dark, when the moon becomes as blood, when the stars of heaven begin to fall, when the rocks begin to fall and all the people of the world at this point pre the wrath of God being poured out, I believe that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ takes place. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul writes, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We just consider that thought for a moment today. That is it possible? And the answer to this is yes. Is it possible that in our generation, that in our lifetime, that we could witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it possible that if it's not in my lifetime, but it could be in our children's lifetime, that the second coming of the Lord would take place? The glorious rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. It tells us here in verse 16, For the Lord Himself, not an angel, but the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And this is the great message of the gospel and the great hope for us who have loved ones who have died in Christ, the dead in Christ, they shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain. Now this word here is one word for the four English words, shall be caught up. That's the word that's called harpazo, which simply means to be taken by force. We will instantly, when the dead in Christ rise, we will instantly be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the earth. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The glorious second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we have something to rejoice in. We have something to shout about tonight. We have something to lift our voices, to know that this world is not our home, that our eternity is not an eternal damnation and a lake of fire of your sin. But we are going home with Jesus. We are going to meet on that other side. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no death. There's going to be no tears. We thank God we'll be ever with the Lord and with our loved ones that have died in Christ, gathered round that glorious throne. This instant, instantaneous work of God by the almighty power, the infinite power, the omnipotent power of God will take every believer and the dead in Christ from this planet to be caught up in the earth. What a gathering that's going to be, friends. What a meeting there's going to be. There is going to be a meeting in the earth. There's going to be a meeting in the earth. I know they think we're mad. I know they, they think we're crazy at this revelation. But there will be a meeting in the earth. There will be a meeting in the earth. We think of our loved ones that have gone before. We think of those that have died in the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of those that we've labored with, those that we've, we've joined with, those that we've prayed with, those that prayed over us. We think of grandfathers and grandmothers that, that have given their lives 
to pray for their children and their grandchildren. Friends, what a day it's going to be when we gather around that great throne of every tribe and every tongue, and there we sing the praises of Jesus forever and forever. Amen. There's someone at the door, Brother Trevor. Praise the Lord. Now this sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6, this sixth seal is one of seven on a scroll or a book in heaven. And it's a significant book. Because what I believe about this book in Revelation 6, we'll look at it in a moment. Before ever there was a world created, before ever there was time, there was this book. And that, that, that should cause us to pause for a moment. Before ever there was a world, there was an Adam, there was an Eve, there was a star in God's universe, or there was a grain of sand on the seaside. There was this book, a scroll, a book with seven seals. In this book, God in eternity set forth when time would begin, as he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. This reveals to us the predetermined counsel and wisdom of God, the sovereignty of God, God as omniscient, omniscient that he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he set in this book the prophetic timeline that would take place after Christ would die and rise again on the third day. God set in this book and sealed it with seven seals to set forth his, his, his plan and his purpose. And you know, I want to tell you, friends, the world's being shaken. Everything's falling apart. Societies are crumbling. Everything around us is crumbling. Can I tell you something? Jesus is seated on the throne and he's unmoved. He's triumphed and everything is under his feet. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. Heaven's not in a panic because everything has been purposed and planned by the Almighty God. Each opening of a seal represents a series of events that would occur in God's Prophetic timeline. In Revelation chapter 4, if you turn back, I want to pick out some verses here on 4 and 5 and just moving into 6 just to give you a bit of context to our reading. John the Revelator, the Apostle John, the last of the Apostles that was living right up into around AD 90 or the early 90s, we believe. He was an old man. He was an exile and he was caught up in the spirit to bring forth the revelation that we're reading today, this book of the revelation concerning the end times. But in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, it tells us, this is John, After this I looked, and behold, the door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which much must be hereafter. This is around A.D. early 90s when John received this revelation. So this then and the revelation that was to come would be hereafter this time. And immediately it tells us in verse 2, I was in the Spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. He's in the Spirit, and suddenly and immediately 
There's a throne that's set in heaven. Now, just for time's sake, I want to move into just this book, but in Revelation chapter 5 and the first five verses, I want you just to look. Remember, this book is critical to the prophetic timeline of God, and it was it predates humanity and the beginning of time as we know it. Revelation 5, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? In verse 3 it says, And no man in heaven, no man in the earth, and no, neither even onto the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. I want you to stop for a moment because verse 3 is, is a real, it's a critical verse in understanding this book. The angel proclaims, who is worthy to open this book? This book that predates humanity and time. Who is worthy to open this book? And so they begin, as it were, if I could take a bit of liberty tonight, but they begin to search in all of the realms of heaven. We're talking about thousands times ten thousands of angels. We're talking archangels, elders, round the throne of God. And the search begins and the cry goes out, Who is worthy to open the book? And after all the searching of heaven and the declaration goes forth, who is worthy in heaven? There's none. No one. And so now the search goes to earth, to humanity. Who is worthy on the earth that could open, open this book that is sealed with seven seals? And they go through the greats of earth. as Hitler, as Muhammad, as Mary, as King Billy, as Buddha. It's Hare Krishna, all the great religions of this. Who's worthy to open the book? Friends, there's none. And then go on to the earth, into the spiritual realm. Who's worthy to open this book? And there was none. Now verse 4 opens with this here. Just look at it. And I just have pondered this for a few days. When John realized at that moment that there was none worthy to open the book. It says that I wept much. I want you to think about it. So often I've just read through this here, got to verse 4, and John wept much, and we just carried on. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I have pondered this, those few words for the last few days, saying, Lord, why would John weep? Why would there be much tears? Remember where he is. He's been caught up. He's in the throne room of God. And there he stands in the spirit. And he's beginning to weep because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. The tears of John as he begins to weep as the revelation of the prophetic timeline of God and the wisdom and the counsel and the plan and the purpose of God is all laid out in that book. And it could only be opened by one who was worthy to open it. And they searched heaven and they found none. And they searched the earth and they found none. And they searched onto the earth 
and they find none. And John begins to weep. Friends, no man was worthy to open and to read the book or neither to look thereon. What a book this is. What a book this is. This is no ordinary book. There wasn't a man ever born. There wasn't a human ever born that was worthy to open this book. There wasn't an angel that's ever been created that was ever worthy to open the book. And then an elder stops John. Verse 5, look what happens. And an elder turned and said, John, weep not. Now here's the revelation. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed. He's prevailed. He's triumphed. He's overcome. He's defeated the powers of hell and darkness. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, He has triumphed. And He will loose the seven seeds thereof. There's one that was born of a virgin. And His name is Jesus Jesus, the Son of the living God, left the splendor of glory in heaven and came into a sin-cursed world, died on a rugged cross for all men and cried, it is finished. And on the third day, he rose triumphant on the power of the grave, the power of sin and the power of Satan. And he's worthy to open the book. Don't weep, John. Don't weep, John. And so it tells us in verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, praise Jesus this, this night, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came, he came, look at this, this lamb, he came, he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. There's one that's worthy to open the book and look thereon, and his name is Jesus. In verse 8 it says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and the twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and gold of bells, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Are my prayers going somewhere? Saints, are your prayers going somewhere? This is where they're going. Look at this here. What does it say? There are golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers go into the very throne room of Almighty God. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Who's worthy to take the book? The Lamb's worthy to take the book. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them. Look at this. What a, what a vision. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Think about it, brothers and sisters. This is round a throne. And they said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing unto every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I, heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power beyond the him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and the twenty elders, they fell down and they worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This is the book with seven seals. There was only one. There only ever will be one that was worthy to open the seals and to look into this book. And his name is Jesus. No one else is worthy. Chapter 6, the opening of the first four seals that we see here in chapter 6 of Revelation. They're described or they're in connection with or opened at the same time with four horsemen known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You might, some might be sitting here tonight saying four horsemen, four horsemen of the apocalypse. What's all this? This has nothing to do with me. I'm just in my own world here. I'm thinking about who's going to win the match tomorrow and what I'm going to wear next week and where I'm going to do my school and what I'm going to do tomorrow and who I'm going to see. I want to tell you, if you can for a moment, and I'll try as best as I can with the Lord's help to just to confess, but this is everything to do with you. This is everything to do with you. This is everything to do with the days in which we are living in. This chapter 6 opens with the first four, and just for time's sake, because we have looked at it a while ago, but the opening of the first four are described as four horsemen, known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The white horse is found in verse 2 and 3. The red horse is in 3 and 4. The black horse is in 5 and 6. And a pale horse, which is a culmination of all of them together. The first horse, the white horse, it is commonly believed, and I believe this, it's deception, and it is the Antichrist system, kingdom, and the Antichrist himself that comes. And this is important. Deception, the Antichrist that comes. Deception in the last days. The red horse speaks of wars. The black horse speaks of famine, that's five and six. And the pale horse, seven and eight, is a culmination of them all. As these seals are broken, each one of them is a representation of supernatural things and, rea and the reality of physical things that will take place in the earth. Can I ask a question tonight to the saints of God that are in this room? How many people believe we're living in a world of much deception? Seducing spirits, deceiving spirits, much deception. I'll ask another question. How many people believe that we're living in the day of the rise of an antichrist kingdom? How many people believe then that the seal has been broken? The red horse speaks of wars in verses 3 and 4. It says that there went out another horse that was red. Verse 4, power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. How many people realize that we're living in a day of, and certainly over the past, say, 100 years from the Great War right through, in these past 100 years we have seen 
awful slaughter, awful wars all around us. Even in our own generation, we've seen the Gulf Wars, we've seen the Middle East, we've seen the Arab Springs, we've seen the nation rise against nation. We've heard of wars and rumors of wars. How many people believe that that's a reality rather than something that's going to happen down the line? We've seen great famines. I know from a wee boy, and I know there's always been famines, but there's an intensification of these events in the last days. But even from a wee boy, I can remember going away back when the world tried to do everything that it could. Remember the days of Bob Geldof and all the rest of it. They were trying to feed the world and the famines in Africa and everything else. And yet those famines are going on right, right to this very moment. There's famines all over the world. There's, there's warnings coming out on a regular basis from, from the, the World Health Organizations, from the, the, the United Nations, that, that there are nations in Africa that are on the brink of, of absolute calamity because of famine. And the pale horse is a culmination of all of these things where there's deception, there's the Antichrist, there's wars, there's famine, and there's all the activities of the kingdom of darkness. There's an intensification of all the powers of hell. I would put to you tonight, it is my belief that all the four first seals are already broke and opened. And we're living in the reality of those four seals and the events that are being predicted and prophesied by the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Matthew 24 and verse 3 to 8 just for a moment. This is the prophetic teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning the question that was put to him by his disciples in Matthew 24 and verse 3. It says, and as he sat, Matthew 24 and verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming? And at the end of the world, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed. What's the first thing he said? Take heed that no man what? Deceive you. Here we see the connection between Revelation 6 and the seals and the four horses of the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first thing that the Lord mentions, it ties uh, very easily together. It dovetails together. It's in harmony with the teachings of Christ. He says, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And what will they do? They will deceive many. I, I do believe we're living in a day of much deception. False Christ. False Christianity. We, we're not living in it. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're living in a day like a day that's been no other where we see the false teachings and the seducing spirits and false Christ that have swept into our nations like no other day. Deception abounds. The Lord told us, take heed that no man would deceive you. Verse 6 then ties in with the second horse, the red horse. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. And so we're living in a day where we see all these events unfolding. And the wars and the rumors of wars. Don't be troubled by these things, because they all must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Nations shall rise against nation, or people against people, kingdoms against kingdom. There shall be famines, there's the, there's the black horse, pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. 
These are the beginning of sorrows. When you see these things beginning to happen, Jesus says, you need to look up. I would put to you, friends, I believe not only is the first three seals already broken, I believe we're living now in a day of a mixture of all of them together and all at the same time. That's the hour we're in. The fifth seal is broken if you turn back over in the Revelation chapter 6. And in this seal, I'll be honest with you, I have really been moved by this sixth, this fifth seal because it's a very particular and a very special place in God's heaven. The fifth seal is open and John sees, but not only does he see, more importantly, what does he hear? Friends, there are many things, not many things, but there are some things we know that are heard in heaven. We know that, the, that there's a cry around the throne, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But there's also another cry that comes from under the very throne of Almighty God. And this is found in Revelation 6 and verse 9. This is the fifth seal. And if we could tune our ears to heaven tonight, underneath the throne of God, this is what you're going to hear. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. Our brothers and sisters who have given their life's blood, who sacrificed their life for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters tonight that are in chains and in bonds in this world, that are suffering, that are being brutally persecuted, some are being martyred, right as we stand here tonight for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a day of such apathy, such backsliddenness, such indifference, when our brothers and sisters across this world are living in prison houses and dens, are persecuted, their blood is being shed for the sake of the gospel. And in the West, we have everything. Verse 10 says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, This is the cry from under the throne of Almighty God. How long, O Lord? How long? Holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell in the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. There's more martyrs to come unto the throne of Almighty God. There's more to join that great band of men and women and boys and girls who have stood for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ and shed their blood. There's more to come. How long, Lord? Holy and true, does they not judge and offend our blood? We go right back to the very beginning of this dispensation of the gospel and we see Stephen's death as he's stoned. We see as heaven opens that, that martyr, that wonderful martyr in that early church and the Lord standing to welcome him home. He's seen the heavens open and he's seen the glory of God as he shed his own blood for the sake of the gospel. Men were willing to die for what they believed in. Most of those that follow Christ, those disciples, 
those followers of the Lord, all gave their life, their blood, for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. James, the son of Zebedee, beheaded. Philip crucified. Matthew killed. James, the brother of Jesus, was beaten to death. This is some of these are in the history books. Matthias beheaded. Andrew crucified. Mark was torn to pieces. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. And that Roman sword at Rome. And throughout the centuries, throughout the last 2,000 years, brothers and sisters, of our brothers and sisters in every century, in every decade, in every year have given their life's blood for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It hasn't stopped, friend. And that gathering under the throne of God cry out together from every tribe and every tongue, How long, Lord, until you avenge our blood? You remember in Revelation 2, the old bishop Antipas at Pergamos, where that little church was, says it was at the seat of Satan. At the seat of Satan. And right up on that seat, it is said that they would put a, a bronze empty bull, a large bull, and they'd bring God's servant, Antipas, the faithful servant of the Lord at Pergamos, up on the Satan's seat, and they'd put him inside the bull and they'd close the trap door and they would put the fire underneath the bull and they'd roast them to death. And they'd hear the groans of the old bishop coming out the bull's mouth. And that was how he went home to be with Jesus. They looked at some over the years as a Roman Empire and different empires come up and come down. Ultimately, friends, it was a kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Right up into the Reformation, Sadly, today, we don't want to know our history. Sadly, today, we just want to just join it all together, forget about what men stood for, the convictions that they had, the stand that they made, not in arrogance or not, not just to be mean, but because they believed it. I was reading over some this afternoon, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, a great book, A man called Thomas Bennett, 1531, Protestant martyr during the reign of King Henry VIII. And as they put the fire around him, as he stood at that stake, he lifted his hands and his eyes to heaven, and he said, Lord, receive my spirit. Think of those just across the water in Perth, known as the Perth Martyrs, six people, five men and one woman, William Anderson, Robert Lamb, James Finlayson, James Hunter, and James Revelson, and one woman called Helen Stark. The five men were all hanged for their belief and their convictions. And they took the young woman with a young sucking infant, it says, and put her in a sack and they drowned her for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, may we not forget. It is said probably somewhere in the region of something like 50 million born-again believers were martyred at the hands of the Roman Catholic Church 
I know I'm in dangerous ground now, but friends, I want to tell you something. The treasurer of the Vatican was sentenced just last week in Australia for abusing two boys. The treasurer of the Vatican at the highest level of the Vatican. I want to tell you the system is rotten to the very core. It is anti-Christ. It is not of Christ. And 50 million of our brothers and sisters at the hands of the Roman Catholic Church were slaughtered. And today, it seems to be that evangelicals, Pentecostals, charismatics are tripping over themselves to join up with the Pope and that system. God forgive us. We think it's smart. We think it's trendy. We think it's cool to be provocative and send out or whatever they are, tweets or Facebook, but I don't know how you do it or whatever it happens. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. God's looking for men and women that are going to stand up and stand up for truth. You think over the 20th century, they say that more were martyred for their faith in the 20th century than the previous 19th centuries put together. That's what they say. I don't know how they calculate that, but that is what they assume or that's what they predict. In the last 100 years, more have given their life for the cause of Christ than the previous 19th centuries. You think over in Uganda, they say somewhere in the region in the 70s, 300,000 believers were martyred for their faith. You think of the great nations of China where the church is mushrooming and growing rapidly. But friends, that was not without a cost and not without many much blood that has been shed. We think as we see this whole movement with North Korea, friends, there was a mighty revival in the north of Korea. As we know the story, and a mighty awakening across that north until that regime came in and crushed them. And literally hundreds and thousands of born-again Christians have suffered and have been martyred for their faith. Think of the blood. The martyrs of time have a special place under the throne of God. And I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? Friends, what a tragedy. We live in a day of everything. We live in a day of abundance. We live in a day of much. We live in a day of great blessing. We live in a day of great material possession. We live in a day where we have so much. And yet, friends, it seems as though that we're so indifferent. We're so indifferent to the reality, to the cause of Christ. Brother Davy was sharing with me just this afternoon on the phone. Brother Brian wasn't able to make the opener uh, yesterday afternoon with illness and everything that's going on. He was just, I hope you don't mind me saying, Davy, but he was saying, you know, there's Brother Davy and the other uh, Brother Stephen that's going down. Stephen as in his mid to late 60s, and, and Brother Davy going, he's just not as far on as that yet, but going to the open air yesterday, and he said, where's the young people? Where's the young people that want to reach their generation? 
Where's the young people that will go on the streets of Balnehenge or Lisburn or, or Belfast or Newcastle? Friends, we don't need to organize a special night for outreach. It is who we are. And yet we're busy. We have a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things to do, a lot of places to go. The callings of God are without repentance and God has called many in this room and that calling lies dormant and the giftings of God just lie dormant in their lives. The call, the missions, the call, the, the local mission, the call, the foreign mission. And now we've just got too busy. We've been caught up with everything else and we're not concerned that there's a world around us that in a moment every single one of them that are not saved are going to a lost eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. God, would you do something in us? Would you put iron in our souls? Would you give us a passion? Would you give us a love? Would you give us the love of God in our hearts? Would you give us eyes that can see? And the martyrs cry out, How long? It tells us in verse 12 of Revelation 6, And I beheld... Friends, I believe that every one of those seals have been opened. And I believe that the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ could take place while we're sitting here tonight. Just in a moment. And I beheld that when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. This seal will open, and suddenly there'll be a shaking on this whole world. A shaking across this globe that this world has never known before, and we've had some great earthquakes. And suddenly, at that moment, the sun becomes black. Suddenly at that moment, oh, but then Tim, see once that happens, see once I see the sun go black, see once I know that the whole earth's shaking, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do then. I'm suddenly going to call out, God, would you save me? I'm going to tell you something. You've deceived yourself because you won't be able to be saved. What do you mean? Does the Bible not say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? No man can come to God, lest the Father draw him. See, at that point, friends, judgment. There's a man with much tears cried out to God in repentance to try and find an answer. And friends, he couldn't find an answer. But he cried, he had tears, and he repented. You see, you can't play with God you can't play games with church. You can't play games with the gospel. You can't just say, you know, you know, I don't, I don't understand it all. I, don't, I can't tie it all together because I'm not God, so I don't try to. But let me tell you something, friends. When God's calling, when God's wooing, when God's speaking, that's the time to come. When God's softened your heart, when you know that God's dealing with you. And there's people in this room that in times gone past, you're not saved tonight, but in times gone past, God has spoke to you. Your heart has been softened. You've been drawn. And you know what it is to be drawn. And God to speak into your life and into your heart. But you didn't come. Well, I'll come someday. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, it's the greatest lie of the devil 
to come someday. And so once that earthquake begins to take place on this planet, when this whole earth begins to shake, once that sun begins to go dark, let me tell you something, friend. It's too late. It's too late. The cry will be, where can I hide? Where can I go? What cave can I find? What mountain? Let the rocks fall on me because now I suddenly realize that it's true. It wasn't a story. It wasn't a fairy tale. When my mother or my grandmother or, or a friend sat me down or a Sunday school teacher was sitting sharing the precious parables of Christ and the stories of God in that wee classroom, it wasn't just a fairy tale. When a loved one prayed for you, when someone gave you a track, when a brother in the church put his arm around you to speak to you about the things of God, when you sat maybe on a lighthouse night and Brother Andy's breaking the bread of life to the children or, or maybe you're out in the street or maybe you're in the church or under the gospel of Jesus Christ every week, week in and week out. And then suddenly, I, friends, I cannot begin to describe to you what that heart must be like at that moment when suddenly you realize you played the game. You've been playing at it. You played around with God. You thought it was a joke. You thought it was funny. You sniggered through meetings. You mocked and you laughed and you teeheed and you got outside and you thought, well, that's another one. Was he getting at you? Was he getting at me? Friends, by the end of this service, Christ could come. Do you really believe that? I want to tell you something with every fiber of my being. I believe that the Lord could come in a moment. I believe that's how close we are. I believe that's the reality of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. What a moment. What a moment. See, friends... I believe the culmination of all these seals is the tribulation. That's what I believe. I believe this is the tribulation that the church will go through. I know others might differ in that, and I respect that. But the Bible says that there will be a great tribulation such was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, never, nor ever shall be. There will be days... That word great, you know what it simply means? To be such an intense spiritual activity like has never been before. There'll be things that happen in the world. Brothers and sisters, I don't need to list all the statistics and all the stuff and all the vile things that are happening. You know, that, that I, there's one thing I want to just mention because I believe it just shows the depravity of man. When they want to pass a law that any doctor or nurse that is in a, a surgery where a, a baby is a baby is uh, preserved or made alive from a, an abortion going wrong, 
that that baby, if it's alive, at the abortion on the table. They wanted to pass a law in America to save the life. You have a duty of care to preserve life. A doctor or a nurse. And they rejected that law. Let the baby die. Brothers and sisters, we read in this scripture of infants being sacrificed and burnt. I tell you, Baal worship is alive and well in the 21st century. And it's in the Western nations. Think of the day that we've come to. The seal is broken. I believe the lamb, if I could put it this way, if I could put it this way, I believe those nail-pierced hands are on that sixth seal. And he's about to break it. Will arise false Christs, false prophets, show great signs and wonders in so much that if it's possible, they will attempt to deceive even the very elect. Friends, in that very moment, stars of heaven will begin to fall in the earth. The heaven will depart as a scroll when it is rolled together. Every mountain and every island will be moved out of their place. And then... A cry will go up from this earth that we have never heard before. Nor ever will we want to hear it again. As the kings and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hide themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains and they'll cry to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide us. Can I tell you, friends, there's nowhere to hide. You may run, but you'll not be able to hide. You may run to dens and caves. You may run to friends. But I want to tell you something. There'll be no sniggering or laughing that day. The fear and the reality of the wrath of the Lamb has come. The Bible tells us, and there's just some verses to close with, it says this. Jesus speaking, Matthew 24. Remember the moon, the sun, and the stars. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. Here's the tying in of the scriptures in Revelation 6. Verse 29 of Matthew 24, The moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven even to the other. Joel tells us, you don't need to turn to it, but we'll turn just to Acts 2 after this, but Joel tells us in verse 30, Joel 30, I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. Verse 31, these scriptures all tie, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great 
Joel calls it the terrible day of the Lord comes. It's a terrible day. Brothers and sisters, it's a terrible day. It's a terrible day. Acts chapter 2, Peter says, Acts 2.19, I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the notable day of the Lord. It's a terrible day and it's a notable day. You need to take note. You need to take note of this day. Revelation 6 and 17 says, The great day of his wrath is come. And then the question's asked, and this is the question I want to finish with tonight is, who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? What a day. What a day. Who shall be able to stand? That day could be today. Who shall be able to stand?